door to our guest who joins us on the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. He is half of the Locked On Cavs podcast. Chris Manning joining us on the show. Chris, what's going on, man? How's your Sunday? Hey, good Sunday. Good to be with you, Spencer. Um, let's start with Max Struess because it's been a hotly debated topic already through this first hour of the show. Um, listen, I, I, we've, we, we've heard so many different names of shooters that the Cavs could have considered going into free agency. And I guess why does Max Struess you think work and fit with this roster in your eyes? And, and, and did you like that move specifically for the Cavs? Love the move. First of all, I think it's I think it's a move of a guy who says I came prepared with notes because I saw you and Greg Schwartz talking about this. Like uh, studied. Look, if if Greg's <laughs> gonna say if you're gonna if people's argument is he didn't play one of the finals, you know who else didn't play one of the finals once? LeBron James. Like people don't play well sometimes, and role he's a role player. Role players are sometimes gonna have ups and downs as built in. To, to life that's built into NBA basketball. That's just the reality of it. Um, he is a really good shooter. He is going to be, he's not the greatest defender in the world, but he's going to be competitive. He's not going to like get totally roasted if he gets put on an island. This is a really good signing. This is a guy who's going to take volume three-pointers. You can do a little bit of movement work, which the Cavs didn't have like anyone who could do that last year, at least anyone they wanted to play. This is someone that was very high up on like any big board you think you could construct for them for free agency. This is a really good signing. This is someone who I think is going to be really additive for them and give them something they really need. This is complimentary to Mitchell and Garland and Mobley, and that's what it's all about. This is, I think, a great signing for them. Am I wrong, and I sort of said this leading into the interview, am I wrong to be at all worried about him playing and how he's going to play rather outside of heat culture, which we obviously wax poetic about how amazing it is to play for Miami and Eric Spolstra, and they just have this system and this way of getting the most out of guys. Because let's face it, like, it's no secret that, in, and this is not just basketball, but in all sports, like, sometimes guys are fit in one place and they go somewhere else and it just doesn't work out. I use the example of, like, Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder was regarded as one of the better 3 and D players in this league when he was with Boston comes to Cleveland for that one year, wasn't anywhere near that player, and then he goes to Phoenix and becomes that again and kind of reinvents himself. So that's just one example, but um, should that be a concern at all that he comes to a different place, he's getting paid all this money now, he earned a payday, and he's not that guy that he was with Miami? The latter part I don't think will apply to him. I don't think this is like a DeAndre Eaton situation or anything mm-hmm. like that. Like From everything that you I know about Struth from – talking to people about him. Um, my friend Bill D. Flipper wrote a really good profile of him at Dine that people can track down. That It doesn't strike me as as anything like that. What I do, I do agree with you that like there is a risk because I think anytime anyone switches organizations, it just says fragrancy is risky. People, it's really fun. And like we see the dollar signs and we see all the movement and we see we get the woge bombs and we get the whatever shams these things are and it, it's cool. It's also a risk because it's guys are a little bit older. Guys are it's a change of scenery, it's a change of coaching staff. So yeah, there's definitely a risk, and and there have been guys that have left Miami, and it hasn't worked elsewhere. I don't think that's likely here. I I think he's just like a solid good player where I think he, he this feels right to me. 
certainly is there going to be something different for him in how Spolster coaches versus how like Gabe Bickershev coaches run the offense and the personnel? Sure, but I think I don't think he's going to become a dud that's on like on a bad contract because I think certainly there is some risk and going to be an adjustment period. But I, I would I think it's something you can absolutely manage, and you, we'll we'll see where it is in, in six months. Maybe you can tell me uh, I'm wrong. Talking with Chris Manning on the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. You can, of course, follow him at CWM Rights on Twitter. I guess, and here's the thing, like, I'm not mad about Max Struess. I, I understand they're addressing a need, and I think that he is a solid player to address that need. I guess I just wonder, like, I don't know, he, he's he's been inconsistent throughout his career, uh, even shooting threes. Like, he had a 40-plus percentage shooting year, and then this past year, he wasn't as good, and I understand like the Heat kind of regressed as a shooting team in general, um, and it was easy to kind of hone in just on him. But I, I, I guess I'm just – maybe I had too high expectations. Do you get what I'm saying? Like maybe I thought they could maybe swing something for somebody else and somebody who I thought was an even better shooter than Max Struess. I'm just not like blown away, and I'm still not sold that – like maybe I'll ask it this way because I kind of put this in the tease on Twitter – if if you were to line the teams up, throw the basketballs on the court, and play a seven-game series between the Knicks and the Cavs again right now, do I think that Max Struess is the thing that gets them over the hump here? Like, am I all of a sudden now thinking that, that that's the, the biggest difference and that now the Cavs beat that team? I don't think that's a fair way to look at it, though. I, I don't think that's what this is. I think basketball is star-driven. You know this. Everyone knows this. The, the Cavs, if they play the Dicks again in the series tomorrow, it would be about Garland and Mitchell and Mobley. Yeah. Honestly. That's what that's about. What what Struce is is additive, and it's something they didn't have. And, look, I understand he's not like – it's not like, wow, they got an all-star or something like that. But, like, this is – we're in a world with a new CBA. They have these two aprons that are going to really prohibit spending at every level. This is something where they they did a sign and trade where they're hard capping themselves, which is notable because it's going to limit theoretically limit some flexibility. But they're going to, I think, stay pretty much under that and be okay. I don't think that's really an issue. I think this is a situation where, like, if you look at what they had last year, Jetty Osmond, who's now in San Antonio, Lamar, Okoro, we'll see what happens with him. Like all these other wings, they weren't good enough. And this is like a legitimate just improvement on that, and it will make life easier for them. This is a guy a shooter teams will close out on and respect and bring you, will bring you something on defense as well. Like I, I think even if it isn't like, oh, man, you got OG and an OB or you got another all-star or you made a big swing, this is like a really competent, good NBA player who you know you can play in big games. That, to me, is, is incredibly additive for this Cavs team. What does all this mean, the moves they've made so far, just in terms of Evan Mobley? We talk a lot about his development. We know that is kind of the the thing that all this hinges on. Um, you now have a shooter who's going to help you space the floor a little bit more. But what does that next thing look like for Evan Mobley? Is it still that he has to become a better three-point shooter? Is it different than that? Because um, people kind of have different perspectives on what it should look like and what it will look like. I think it's still about him running at his offensive game, and that could come in a couple different ways. I don't even think Spencer, it's necessarily even a three-point shot for him. I think if you gave him an 18-footer at the baseline or a pull-up jumper at at the elbow, or he does some of what Jaron Jackson Jr. does in Memphis where he attacks off the dribble from those spots, I think that would be really additive for him and really loosen things up. It would make life easier for everybody else. Um, I, I think more than anything... You know, there's like a toughness factor. There's like a you get better shooters factor to, to what went wrong in the playoffs and where this team needs to go. 
And I think with Struess and Niang, they've, they've added some really nice pieces. I think in, in the shooting sense, but I think this is still about Mobley and Garland and Mitchell. Like, And especially, I think, Mobley. Where does Mobley go in year three? Does the big leap come? He had a really good year two. Defense player of the year finalist. But what is the offensive leap? I think that's going to be really, really, really important for whatever is going to come here. That, to me, is is question number one about what what's coming up here. Chris Manning joining us on the show. Uh, you mentioned Niang. I actually feel like this is my favorite of the moves they've made so far. Mm. Uh, a stretch four type player. He can obviously knock down the three, which is big. Defensively, I know people have hit on the fact that he can guard all four positions, but I know there's a lot of Philly fans out there who are saying, yeah, maybe he can, but not well. Um, so <laughs> maybe taking a step back defensively. Um, but I, But I've kind of argued too, like, I don't know that the Cavs, the Cavs were so good defensively last year. I think you're okay to sacrifice a little bit of defense to get more offense. Like, offense was the issue in the playoffs, and so I can understand the move. Um, just your thoughts on his fit with this with this Cavs team. I think it's great. I think, number one, it's someone that played with Mitchell in Utah, and I don't right. think that's, that's, that's a bad thing to get someone who knows how to play with, with Donovan a little bit. And also, it's just going to launch threes. I mean, the Cavs, I think, in Spruce and him, got two guys we're going to let it fly. That that was, I think, a weakness in a Dean Wade, in a Lamar Stevens, in an Okora. Like they need guys who are just going to let the threes fly and take some of that out, and take some of the hesitancy out of the offense. I think that's a big thing. Um, I really like the Ning pickup. I think he can he'll play. I'm curious to see more than anything else actually how much he plays the three. Um, he played at most of his possessions at the four for for Philly last year. I wonder if the Cavs try to shoehorn him in as a three with Mobley and Allen at times just to provide that spacing and, and say Mobley can cover from defensively, Allen can cover from defensively. I wonder if that's something they try mm. to do. Um, I, I think it would be worth exploring. It's obviously them going back to the Lowry marketing year that I think really worked for them. And Dean Wade did it last year. You, you know, you saw bits of it with Kevin Love as well. Um, but I, I like the Ning pickup a lot. It's a good use of part of the mid-level it's someone they really like they did they tried to get him at the trade deadline last year as well so i i love the signing i think it's it's a really good piece for them that i think will give them something they desperately need are the Cavs done you think with uh the maybe i mean none of these moves i don't think are like splashy maybe you could say struce but are they done with sort of these bigger additions at this point um or do you envision that there's some maybe things in kobe altman's pocket that he's still going to try to deploy here to continue to maneuver and, and build this roster? I think it's more stuff on the edges now. Like, you know, they made the Damian Jones trade yesterday. Right. They got Ty Jerome, um, who Cavs fans maybe will remember. Do you remember, I don't know if you're at that game, Spencer, but do you remember that Warriors game last I br- year? I literally brought that up before you came on. I said, <laughs> the only way you would remember Ty Jerome is that he literally roasted the Cavs in that game when the when the Warriors were here and they played all their backups. I was like, that's that's the only thing I can tell you about Ty Jerome, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly what anyone will remember him for. Um, I had like three friends text me about that and be like, yeah, like is that that guy? I'm like, yeah, that was that was that they guy. Basically, um, basically, they watched him and they were like, man, this guy's roasting us, so I guess if we can't beat him, we might as well just join forces with him. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> it's, it's like when Draymond, <laughs> you know, it's, it's the Cavs version of Draymond calling Katie from the car, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> not, not quite. But, Much you know, lower level, but yeah. <laughs> it's guy who was on a two-way last year to oh my God. Beat, beat up your beat up We your need you. We up. need you. You're the difference. You're <laughs> <laughs> the difference between us not getting smoked in games we should win. Um I think they're probably. I think it's smaller stuff now. Like I'd have to go. I have to check my sheet and like in the 
the, maybe the better publicly available sheets and like what exceptions and things they have left. But I, I think they're pretty much tied into to guys. They have a hard cap at 175 million or so, I think. So they're gonna that's like their max spending now with bringing back uh, with bringing in Struce on the sign and trade. Yeah, which, and we and we know they don't want to go into the tax. That's been reported heavily at this point. So yeah, which which I, like makes sense. You don't want to kick in the repeater stuff. I I think like that that totally is, that makes sense to me. At a certain point, I think they will do it, but I think it's it's about optimizing when you do it because those. I mean, you see the luxury tax payments, and it's like I understand these guys are really rich, but they're really rich for a reason, and I get it. But I so I think it's smaller stuff. I'm curious to see like you know is there another cheap wing they get is it like is does Kelly Oubre's market de- depress at a certain point and and they go that route do they you know is there another big that they try to get I know they got Damian Jones do they get someone else with some bulk like I, I'm curious to see if they like actually round out the roster to 15 and though that that means Bates is on a two-way all that stuff but um, I'm curious to see if they use the exceptions and they have an Ochai Abaji trade exception as well yeah. they could use for like three something million that's not a lot but I'm curious to see if there's anything that they do to just kind of to figure some of this out and just kind of round out the roster at points where they're like, okay, we want depth here, here, and here. A few more minutes with Chris Manning here on the hotline. I was convinced once I saw that Mo Bamba was released that the Cavs are going to go after him. That was like one of those scenarios for me where I was like, if they get Mo Bamba, sign me up for that. Um, but obviously, I, I don't know that they have the cap space left to kind of to make that move. Speaking of the Lakers, though. I feel like they've honestly had like the best offseason kind of quietly because they haven't made some big splashy additions necessarily, but it's all been things that they need. They had Gabe Vincent into the rotation there. Like, I, I don't know. The Lakers, to me, I think have blown people away, and they, they have a really good shot to be like a, a really, really good again next year. Yeah, I think the Nuggets still should be the favorite, even with Bruce, sure. Bruce Brown. But like, if LeBron, it, it's all about LeBron's health. Like, is the foot good? Just the minutes total catch up. That's where that's kind of at for me with the Lakers. But Gabe Vincent bringing back Rui, they got Austin Reeves on like a really good contract. I kind of can't believe that Reeves only got what he got. Like when I thought he might like go get an offer sheet for like a hundred million dollars, that was like all the smoke out there, and he signed like a four year with a with a fourth year player option for fifty six. Like that's not. Yeah, I mean, that's, the Cavs I, could have done that. My God. Well, maybe not. But Reeves is like their <laughs> Reeves is like their third best player. Like he is their third yeah. best player, and he's really good. And I kind of can't believe that was the contract he ended up with. Um, really interesting summer for them. If LeBron's healthy, that team's going to be awesome. Like that team is just going to kick butt for in LA next year and in the West. And that's a loaded Western Conference. Like that West is going to be. It's now a gauntlet again. If you just kind of sure. run through the standings, but. Uh, boy, if LeBron's healthy, that team that team made all the right moves, pulled all the right levers, and they can tra- and they resign D'Lo, and they want to trade D'Lo for like someone who's better than D'Lo. They think they could probably do it. Let me get you out of here with this because it is the main, I think, topic in the NBA right now, which is Damian Lillard and his future. We know he's finally requested a trade out of Portland. Uh, we know the Heat also sort of the team he wants to go to, but there's no guarantee that's who he's going to go to. What do you make of? Give me a, 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 a summary in your thoughts of just like Damian Lillard's career to this point. And because th- his whole thing has been that he's not just going to jump ship and go ring chase. And he's always kind of been the, the one guy who stayed loyal. And some people have blamed him for that, even though I think it's ridiculous that you can't be mad at a guy for wanting to leave and then be mad at a guy for wanting to stay as well from a fan perspective. But your thoughts on just his career to this point and where you think makes the most sense for him to end up moving forward? He's been bona fide. I think last year might have been the best career of his career. Um, 
for me at least, I think just an incredible output year for him on a team that wasn't going anywhere. I think he's had some. He's over. I think he, if you look back at his record, he's made some playoff runs. You know, he, if when the Marcus Aldridge left, that could have been really disastrous, and because of him, they ascended and kept going and going and going. Uh, certainly, you know, the talent level in Portland hasn't quite, I think, matched his ambitions and, and what he's capable of as, as one of the best guards in the league. But he's like bona fide one of the best leaders, yeah. bona fide one of the best scoring guards we have, and he's been that way for the whole time now. And he's, you know, I think. Vintento's down. There's lots of stories you can read about his leadership that I think really speak to, to what this guy is. I think the breaking point is he's 33. Time is running out. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's not a ton of time left for game relatively. Even if he plays five more years, he'll be 38. Like how much longer does he have to really push at this? So I think that's where we get there. I think the best fit is Miami. The big three of Jimmy, Dame, and Bam sign me up for that. Like that team, that team would crush especially with the heat's track record of developing on the side and finding guys to just plug and play and, and do all that stuff and kevin love there by the way um that's the best fit i'm curious to see if brooklyn you know is the other pre- reported preferred destination goals and i don't think philly has the stuff to go in there i don't people have like floated like what if the spurs did something with one b i don't really get that to be honest with you i would i don't know if like that's Wemby's going to, Vic, Vic is going to be great, but like it's, he's not going to be, I don't know if like year one, I, I don't know if I want that for Dame. I want Dame to really get to like play in like the conference finals or something. Like yeah. that would be really cool for me as a basketball fan. So I think it's Miami. That's the one that makes sense. Like I, the package isn't as good as Brooklyn's would be, but it's the place where I think I would most want to see Dame go from a basketball fan perspective and just wanting to see him get to accomplish some stuff. He's Chris Manning, does a tremendous job covering the Cavaliers, number of outlets, including Dime Magazine, but also he's one half of the Locked On Cavs podcast. Chris, you know I always appreciate you, brother. Uh, I, I'm out of town coming up here in like a week or so, but when I get back, I, I think we need to grab a, a summer beverage at some point, so we'll make it happen. That sounds wonderful. Let's get it on the books. Awesome, man. Appreciate you. Have a great rest of your Sunday, and have a great 4th of July as well. You too, Spencer. Thanks.